Hello and welcome to the show, Adelia Lee, a one tree self-projected projector, the creator of the famous projector podcast, That Projector Guide, and the group on Facebook with That Projector Live. And if you do not already know it, hop in. There are great people. If you're a projector, you will find yourself seen and appreciated. And she also has a beautiful website with a lot of free stuff there. So if you are looking for the secret teachings of the variables, I would really recommend that. It was my start and dip into that material. So anything else I have forgotten, Adelia, welcome. No, thank you so much. You did a fantastic job. Thank you. You're very welcome. Then let's start with the first question. What do you love about your work? Oh, that is such a good question. I think what I love the most is that I I am helping people change their lives. And it's not that I am actually like telling them what to do. I'm living my life and I'm sharing that generally through my podcast. And then people just by listening to my stories are like, wow, I feel so seen. I feel so heard. And it's like, oh, yes. Like just to know that I'm creating a space where people feel like they are validated, their experience are validated and that they are seen and recognized that that is the best thing about what I do for me. You also do readings. That's where you specialize in. I forgot the most important one. So that's what you love to show people what they already know. And then when they start to smile and get this big smiley cat face. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's why I hear that so much. And I bet you do too. When you know you, you introduce people to human design, I say that human design gives you the language to express and understand what you have felt your whole life because we kind of subconsciously, intuitively know what our energy is, but we never have actually had someone come in and say, you're a projector. You need to wait for the invitation. You need to rest more. You need to do less. But when I heard that, you know, after I worked through the mental side of things where I was like, no, that can't be right. I really resonated with it because that's what I had done my whole life. I was never a person or a child who wanted to go be in the thick of things. I was like, I'm going to stay with the adults because they're quiet and they're calm. I never wanted to go play with other kids. I was like, give me a book, leave me alone. I don't need this right now. But, you know, finally understanding human design, I can see, look at that little self-projected projector with her two centers. She was probably really overwhelmed with all the energy that was going on. So it's so fascinating to see human design really give people the language to fully understand and be able to vocalize what they have experienced. Do you also, I start again, could you also see through the games all the other relative, uh, people in at your age played and then you didn't want it to participate, like these manipulation games or <sighs> uh, treating women, boys were like always 
pulling their leg? That's a good question. So I actually, <laughs> it's a funny thing. I, I never really had, so I, I had a closer group of friends and I never really associated with anybody outside of that. And I think because I was so in it, so deeply conditioned that I did eventually when I was in high school and things got a little more dramatic, I saw that drama and I was like, I'm out guys. There were entire like weeks or months where I just did not hang out with my friend group. Cause I was like, I cannot handle y'all right now. Y'all are too dramatic. I'm going to need y'all to figure this out. And then I'm going to come back. Um, but I don't, I never really experienced anything like that firsthand, which I, I consider myself very fortunate, at least on the, the school relationship friend front. So that is already kind of the authority, the self-projected we share. You never got in trouble because you already knew who you are. You do not need anything like drugs or that kind of stuff. Yes. And so I, you know, when, when we're in school, um, they do a lot of things about peer pressure, right? And we have our just say no to drugs campaign and all of that good stuff. And I never experienced peer pressure. And even if I had, or in, you know, there may have been a few instances where I'm just not remembering it because I didn't realize that's what was going on because somehow I was so grounded and rooted in myself. I was like, no, this is not me or that is not correct for me. And I, for the longest time, I considered myself just really lucky to not have been, you know, pressured into anything. But I think it was more somehow my self-projected authority was there through everything. And I remember at times... Um, Like when I, and when I was in college, I tried out for the music school and I was like, I'm going to go be a band director. Like that was my thing. Um, and I didn't get in. And instead of feeling sad, I think this was really like my first real brush with my authority. I felt okay. Like it was that kind of piece of like, no, this is the right direction for us. And I had never experienced anything like that before in my life. But I suspect that was my the first time my self-projected authority really was able to give me direction because, you know, I hadn't had that freedom, right? When you're in high school, you go or just any school when you're a kid, you go to school Monday through Friday and like that's what you do. And that was okay for me. That worked out all right. Um But that was the first time I really felt my authority be like, it's going to be okay. Did you know it or did you also say it like, that is nothing for me? <sighs> That's a good question. I do remember talking it out with my mom. And because I think my mom was like, okay, she's kind of trying to feel out the situation. Like, okay, how do I best support my child? Is she going to be okay? Is she going to be upset? But I was like, no, it's okay, mom. This is okay. And she was like, oh, all right. <laughs> Which body sensations do you connect to your authority? So for me, it is in my chest. Um, I've, I have read that when a self-projector, a self-projected projector is, you know, they've 
they're making the correct decision or they're going the right direction, something just clicks like a puzzle piece sliding into place. And it's like, I have felt that I, it's really hard to describe and, and vocalize into words, but it's, it's really like a puzzle piece in your chest sliding into place, either that, or it's like, which is kind of where I am right now when I allow myself to shift out of the not self as it tries to claw me back sometimes where it's like, I'm, it's almost like I'm one with the universe, which is a really weird thing for, I feel like me to say, cause that's, that's not something that I would normally associate with me. So it does seem like I'm growing a little, but it's just like this big area of expansion where it's like, this is correct. This is correct for me. And then when things are not correct, I still feel it in the chest, but it's more like trying to fit two magnets together when they're both on the same side and they push each other away. So I feel that resistance in my chest. It's almost like it's physically pushing me away from something. Very interesting because you're a single definition that is so present for you. In my case, it's always this, I have the channel of awareness too. So at a certain point, I just know. And so, and then I talk, so they kind of mix together. Yes. Yes. Now you talk about something kind of different. Yes. Very interesting. Did you have a lot of self-talks? How did you manage this intense pressure to talk to not get to talk too much for everyone else you know so my mom this and this goes back to kind of school days my mom would always say when I got home from school I would just talk and talk and talk and talk and I don't remember what I said ever but I because I never talked in class it was you know as and I suspect now being that self-projected projector being very in tune with like just what was going on it wasn't a safe place for me right I didn't feel seen I didn't feel recognized so I'm gonna hide and I'm gonna not talk um and then but when I got home all of the observations I made throughout the day I just I shared um I was in band I was in marching band all four years of high school and that was like I really enjoyed that. That was the place where I could hang out, where I could really kind of be myself and where I was recognized. And my mom was always like, you just always know what's going on. You, I like the, the flute section and the clarinet section. Oh my gosh, there was so much drama there. I hung out in the low brass because I played tuba. So I hung out with all the guys and they were so much more chill. And I was like, oh, these are my people. They're so simple. And then, but I saw all the drama going on in the, in the woodwinds and I would come home and tell my mom about it. So it was like that projector observation and just, I didn't realize that's what I was doing at the time, but my self-talk came out after the school day. And then it just like was a torrent. My mom was like, I just had to sit there and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's, kind of uh, to sort all the thoughts and also maybe it's the only way that your system can get rid of this energy it's it's also when i for example when i meet my mother and she has a lot going on yeah. or when i even do some body work on her i start to talk uncontrollable because I could feel, oh, there's this stress going on from her defined root and it's kind of expressing through my, my voice. <laughs> so it's not healthy, but it's a way the body deals with it. 
Yes. And that, so you bring up a really good point. And I've, I'm going on a family vacation in a few weeks and there will be 11 of us total, eight adults and three kids. And I have noticed that when I am around a large group of people, I tend to just say things. And I was like, after I say it, I was like, why the heck did I say that? I didn't need to say that. What is going on? So for me, this is going to be a really interesting experiment. I'm going to do my best (laughs) to be present and to not just blob all the time. Because when I am present, when I am quiet, I'm able to be more at peace. So it's going to be very, very interesting. I, I feel like I'm, I'm almost girding my loins for battle. It's like, let's, let's do this as our true self and just observe as best we can. So it's going to be an experiment. Looking forward to it. Maybe we talk another time. That would be interesting to skip back and tie that in. What were the biggest aha moments as you studied your authority? Oh, the fact that I needed to talk to process and that I had a very strong sense of self um, because I carry my my definition um, unconsciously. I mentally, I cannot define myself. So I was really confused when they were like, you have a strong sense of self. And I was like, no, I don't. I don't. What? But when I am simply being and I am talking in the moment and things are aligned, it's like, ah, yes, I do. I see that now. But if you were to sit down and be like, Ardelia, tell me about yourself. I'd be like, oh God, not again. I can't do that. I can't do it. It's so surprising when we hear ourselves talk. I was like doing one-on-ones for free, like every projector kind of with no boundaries. And then one day after years, I said to a close friend, oh, it ever brought me only misery. And I said, oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Listening to myself. And also what you mentioned before, it's kind of this authority is very stable until it is not. And then it turns around 180 degrees. Do you experience that the same that you say, oh, I'm doing music. I chill out with that guys. And that one day you totally switch and you are gone. Yes. And I've, I have heard that like the self-projected authority, something is correct for it until it's not. And then it's just like, boom, this is all wrong. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I, um, when we had our house, um, I would change the furniture every six months or so. Cause it's like, nope, this is not working anymore. We have to change it. We have to change it. And so we would, my husband was always very obliging. Um, and we shuffled a few pieces around here and there. And then it was like, ah, that's better. I can, this is it. This is good for the next six months. So interesting that you mentioned it because I have the same kind of style. My landlord, the, the woman does it the same at home and the male one always says her husband with a funny voice, you're as crazy as my wife. <laughs> I think the 10 years I'm in that apartment, I've moved the furniture in my living room probably five times or so. <laughs> yeah. 
and it's kind of natural we change so our surrounding needs to change yeah otherwise there's a friction in the field yes and i so where just to share where my situation is right now. So my husband and I were living in Michigan and we had a house there and then um, we needed to move for his job. So we sold his, we sold our house and we moved in with my mom because she's living around the same area. So I'm basically in my childhood home. Um, and we, so we put all of our store, all of our furniture into storage. So our plates, our kitchen stuff, it's all in storage. And I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. When we finally go to move, which we're anticipating doing the next year or two, I'm going to pull everything out of storage. I'm going to be like, that's got to go. And that's got to go. And I don't like those plates anymore. And that's not correct. And I can't stand that. It's just going to be awful. And I'm going to, you know, we're not going to get rid of it at first because like <laughs> money is a thing, right? And why throw out perfectly good plates if you can use them for a little while. So, but I have already decided we are going to slowly pare down what we can keep and what we can and what needs to be replaced. But I already know what's going to happen. And I suspect it's because I have changed. I'm not the same person I was. And so that's got to be reflected in our stuff. Guys, it never gets boring with self projector projectors. <laughs> How do you know it is your authority that speaks and not your mind? Probably one of the most asked questions. That is a great question. So for me, it's it's how I feel. It's again, it's that kind of chest feeling. And I suspect it's because again, I carry my my definition in my body, in my unconscious. So for me, it's more of a physical sensation, or it's like I can relax into it. Um, if I'm like, yes this is me. It then, clicks. Mm. Yes, yes, exactly. And I, I do that with clothes shopping too. When I go shopping for clothes, it's like I buy one or two things and that is it because I am waiting for that. I've realized if I don't feel that, if I'm like, oh yeah, it's fine, then I'm not actually going to wear it. But if I'm like, yes, I can feel this, this is me, then I will wear it more, which is the weirdest thing to say when I'm like, I'm looking at a dress and it's like, that's me. It's like, that's the dress, but that is what gives me that self-expression. And that is everything. I've coined a fr uh, phrase, like it's unless it isn't, when it is a question, it is not an answer. So when you say that's it, then you know it's it. But if you ask, is it this? Then it's probably not. So it's easy to make decisions. Yes. But yes. I wasn't realizing this is a cheese center style too. We already talked a little about acceptance and how you saw yourself through human design. Do you want to give us some examples? from your chart yeah so and it uh, the things that i feel most strongly about so far in my human design are my self-projected authority my channels and my one three profile um when i found out i was the investigator martyr profile everything made so much sense because i have to It's really that martyr line. The investigator line, I've always loved learning. Um, I've always wanted to know things, but then I do have an undefined head. But I never really 
felt that kind of mental pressure to know, interestingly enough. It was just, I really enjoyed knowing. Um, but it's that third line. That's It's my favorite line, um, which is funny because I feel like it often gives people the most grief. But it's that I have to make mistakes. I have to get in there. I have to experience life. And it's like, yes, that's what I want, which now it makes so much sense to me why I loved reading as a kid. Because, you know, my family, we didn't really do anything, go anywhere on the weekends because we were all, which is probably a good being a projector child, going to school Monday through Friday. It's a lot. So we rested a lot on the weekends, but I read. And as I read those books, I think now it was my martyr line, just kind of gathering all these different experiences and just kind of processing it and holding in onto it. And then when I learned about human design, my martyr line was like, okay, let's put it into action. Let's see the rubber meet the road. And I think that's one of the things that I love so much about the human design system because it was so clear. It just, it gave me so much more direction that I could either take it and run with it or not just how my energy worked with it and how I saw fit. So does that answer your question? So we were with the motivation and the variables and I think I've finished and then you started and it ended. Yeah. So, um, my motivation is guilt and it made so much sense to me when I read it because it's it's kind of like you, you know, if you want something done, you have to do it yourself or like you have to make these changes, right? And to help people make changes. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm such a fixer. Like, yes. And even at the beginning, I was like, I love having an impact on people's lives and helping them change things. And like, there we go. That's my guilt motivation. Um, so, and I'm still, so the variables I'm still really exploring and learning about, but I, that one is one that I resonate with a lot. Um, it's everything but my view that I kind of struggle with a little. Mm, did you also encounter the transference a lot that you said, so uh, guilt is hope, I think? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love being in hope. It's so much easier than being with the guilt motivation. Are you kidding me? Like, let me just sit back and hope that things change. Heck yes. I love that. Unfortunately, that's not correct for me. Um, but yeah, no. And I've, I've talked with someone who's motivation is hope and she has the same issue she's like i just want to go in and fix things and i'm like i just want to hope so it's really funny how oftentimes it seems like we identify more with our transference than we do our actual um motivation or it seems easier to be in transference than it does to really knuckle down and get with our our true motivation I have need and my brother has fear and I'm kind of envious because the whole world is in fear right now. You could sell anything and everything is right for you when you are in fear motivation. <laughs> Everyone tries to pre-do things and bunker things and get the money into material stuff. <laughs> it's very interesting. So I see that human design, the greatest gift is truly acceptance, true seeing oneself 
do you have anything else you want to add where you saw yourself? It, channels you? Yeah, so really, the more I learned about my design, the more I was like, that's actually me. And it pushed me to grow as a person because, again, it was able to give me that language to understand you know, what I am supposed to do here, how my energy works, what energy I actually have. So it's like, I, I had these gifts or my, you know, like with my two channels, I had these gifts, but I didn't know what they were. I didn't know how to use them. I was not consciously aware of them. And I think when we bring that conscious awareness, we're able to fully accept ourselves because we are able to see ourselves and it's like, oh yeah. So I have um, the channel of the alpha and the channel of the prodigal. And that has been so interesting just to, to see and to feel and to experience. I, interestingly enough, I resonate and understand my channel of the prodigal a little more than I do the alpha and the prodigal channel. That's the one that I have all in red. So that is where my definition is. It's in that um, prodigal channel. My alpha is split between black and red. So in my prodigal channel, um, is that the one that you have too? Yes. Okay. So I love that channel. I love it so much because it, I think it pairs really well, especially with my third line in my profile, because it's all about experiencing. That prodigal channel is about, it's that collective sensing circuit, which is, it's really the energy to pull back and reflect on an experience, be it yours or somebody else's, because we also have the capacity to listen and to hear other people's secrets. So as I have been going through this human design journey, I've had a few instances where I have really felt that channel of the prodigal come to the foreground. And I was like, okay, I, I was able to kind of pull back from my experience while also being in the experience. It was so weird. It was like, I was me in both places, me watching me and me going through the experience. And I was like, yeah, this sucks right now but I'm going to have something to share. I am going to learn a lesson here. I don't know what that lesson is yet. I don't have that clarity because I haven't completed this experience. But after I have and I've pulled back, I'm going to have a story to tell. I'm going to have some wisdom to share. And that's what that channel is all about. So really understanding my channels has helped me accept my energy and not fight it. Because I feel like previous Argelia would have been like, no, we need to understand this now. Whereas now I'm like, it's okay if I don't understand things right away. We've got to complete that experience and pull back to reflect before we can really share what we know. That's also what you express in your podcast, the 1333, right? Yes. It's like this sneaky way of just sitting there and listening till they tell you all the secrets. <laughs> yes, and I've I've said before, my podcast is kind of selfishly made because I needed a platform when I was first learning human design. I needed a way to process what I was learning, and I process through talking. Like, like a self-projected projector, I process through talking. And so my podcast really, first of all, it was a platform for me to process what I was learning, to share what I was going through, and finally, lastly, to support fellow projectors. But it really was, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to share it with you. This is what worked for me. This is what didn't. And that was like the whole foundation 
of my podcast was that simple, I want to share what I'm doing with the world. Do you know what line you have in the culture of the pearl sequence, Chinkies? I do not. I, I could look it up if you told me what I needed to look for. Uh, if you have a Chinky profile handy, it's just the pearl, the triangle on the top, the blue ones, it's the pearl sequence. Okay. And the right one is culture. And there you have a gene key and then point and the number, the line. Okay, cool. Let me pull that up. <laughs> I was so prepared. I had your chart. I had my chart. <laughs> yeah, that was a not intended question. I talk a little about mine till you fetch yours. For me, it's the fourth line. And the fourth line is network. So one is I do it alone. Two is with a partner, but the partner can switch Like if you do one-on-one, -on -one, it's two, the second line too. The third line is like family size, three to 15 people. And the fourth line then is network, so worldwide. For example, or connect different families. And then you go to the fifth line that is like power. They are the most powerful They just take the fourth line and abuse it in the shadow side. <laughs> and the sixth line is like, uh, why are we doing this? You know, like questioning. It doesn't belong anywhere. Yes, like always with the lines. So I was just interested if you might have a fourth or second line. Okay, so I'm looking at my pearl sequence. What am I looking for again? On the top, you have the, a triangle in blue. Yes. And That, the right one there, it says culture. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's my 33, and that is in line one. Line one, okay, mm -hmm. very interesting. So it you can do it always like, okay, you, you, are, you do your podcast with yourself, that's the most natural for you. Mm -hmm. I'm just happy with myself. Marketing is none of my business. That's the second line. The big marketing is none of my business. That's the fourth line. The playing around is nothing of mine. That would be the third line. I'm just me and creating stuff and you can do everything else. With it. Yes, I resonate so much with that. I feel like you just described me and my approach to life. Like, I'm just going to be me over here. Y'all go do your thing. Very interesting. I contemplated that yesterday. And for me, it's like the fourth line is my podcast to start networking, to meet people like you. And then maybe we have a co collaboration at some point where you create something and I do create it and or you put a video into my trainings such stuff and i wasn't even aware of it that i was doing that but interesting that first lines that you interview so many people but that's then the, the channel of the prodigal so it's kind of and 33 i would have i need to look it up i have it To what is it say? No, 13 is empathy. But in the gene keys, I don't know if the 33 shows up. What does it say in the profile? The three words? 
if you have it still open. For the 33? Yes, the first is the city, then it's the... Mm -hmm. So the first is mindfulness. And let me turn on... Oh, no, that's the gift. No, the gift is mindfulness. The city is revelation. And the shadow is forgetting. Interesting. So that's what you live out with yourself. Either you forget, you are mindful, like you talked at the, before we started, where you go into that adult group and want to stay present. And then you have the city, the highest expression, sorry. Rev what was it? Revelation? Yes. So you bring the revelation to us when you do your stuff and let us listen in in your own process. It's kind of perfect what you talked before. <laughs> yeah. So cool. I loved that stuff. Um, which challenges did you face while implementing the things you found out in human design, like you talked before with the motivation or with the self-talk? I think the biggest challenges that I faced all came from me. <laughs> it was, can I get out of my own way? It was having to unlearn all of this stuff. And I, so I have two young, younger children. They're nine and seven now. But when I was in the very beginning learning this, they were. One, I think one was a toddler and one was, you know, so like maybe two and four. And it is hard <laughs> to be the parent of small children like that. And on top of that, to try and figure out how to be a projector. And it was just like, what? So for me, I was my biggest challenge. And it, you know, I'm, I'm still very much in that process of continuing to unlearn. It's really funny. It's like, I, as soon as I feel like I've got things down, something happens. And it's like, we have to go flip tables again and start from the very beginning. It's like, okay, let's go back to our basics and let's do this all over again. Um, but I would say learning to decondition my sacral center has been sacral and root, but my sacral is completely open. That was hard. Um, I've, I remember in the definitive book of human design, Ra said, you know, the open sacral, the completely open sacral doesn't ever know when enough is enough. It just waits for exhaustion to overwhelm it. So it stops. And I was like, holy crap, that's me. But I've also found that you can actually decondition the open sacral. It just might take a little longer and it might be a little more of a challenge, but I finally, for the most part, gotten to the point where I know when I need to stop. It's like, okay, I need to stop now. It's easier when I'm by myself and I'm working and it's like, ah, it is time to stop. I still sometimes have days where I overdo it, but not as badly as I did previously. The bigger challenge for me comes in the group sittings, you know, um, am I talking too much? I need to be quiet. Um, or even just, you know, the groups like we're going to go here and then me feeling that kind of pressure to go along, especially with my in-laws. They're all wonderful people. And my mother-in-law has finally gotten to the point where she understands that I need more rest. Um, 
And so, but there's still kind of that expectation, right? That kind of pressure to go and be with the group and to show up and all that good stuff. So it's going to be interesting for me as I watch these dynamics coming up. Do you have any early warning signs in your body you observed? That is a great question. Typically, when I am aware, so when I am, you know, sitting and working by myself, it tends to just be that I'm tired. It's like, huh, I'm a little tired. Or um, like my brain just gets a little foggy because I don't, I don't have mental definition. And it's like I can think and then I can't think anymore. And it's like, okay, I need to be done. Or it really is, I call it the sacral whoosh, where all of my energy just goes whoosh. And that's it. Is like, and I'm done. And so that's when I'm paying attention. That is um, what I look for. When I'm not paying attention, like when I'm cleaning the house, it's when I sit down and it's like, oh, oh, I'm tired. I think I'll stay here for a little while. Okay, interesting. That would be already a little late for me because mine is open to my sacred. Mm -hmm. Something I wanted to add is ultimately we would become boundary masters because we would be wise. So we can teach others when it's enough. <laughs> And for me, it's like annoyance. And later on, I start to get tired and then I start to complain. And if I overdo it, I get aggressive. So, but that would be already uh, bitterness aggression that's the most life-changing idea i got was like take a break every hour i really set the timer when i'm working every hour i do a break for 10 minutes and then i realize oh i have been a hell of a lot of stress and And uh, already, I mean, resistance and annoyance, and it just gets away with us. Mm. And also, it's when I started to play around with this weaving in and out of groups, it's always the moment I leave the group, there is friction, like they don't want me to go. It's like the sacred wants this even when we we absorb the sacred energy but at some point we give them attention and appreciation so they don't want this be seen that we leave it's so interesting and i also feel uh my throat starts to itch a little bit like it get so sore like the very early early stages of uh, throat ache when I talk too much or when someone suppresses my um, expression like the not self always calls the not self like you sort of kind of already talked about this 
they they always want the not self it's so interesting my my grandmother and my father want to be want me to be my not self and they have a problem with myself and that's what we have been trained to be and that's why we become the super slaves as projectors because we are we have so much not self <laughs> and the mind loves it complicated so everything you said is like oh it's easy you know it's it's in the in a taoistic book i read in the western world you you are like more and more and more to a peak and in the eastern world we are like less and less and less we get wider and wider and wider and that's what our natural ways we are so in tune with with nature it's everything is provided for us to really get into the trust and on our pre-talk i said it takes a lot of determination and then i said oh that was the not self of the ego center will you know it's not determination it just is easy i do not need to fight it or fight for it or make it happen now i could feel your channel of the prodigal <laughs> how has it changed the way you do business when you got into human design Oh, that's good. I think I'm, I'm I'm looking at my undefined willpower right now. I just have one gate off of it. Well, just go on and talk about it if you want. <laughs> well, so it's it's not needing to prove myself. I don't have to prove myself. And that changed the way I wrote sales pages. I'm not here to prove my product to you. That's not the function of my sales page. My sales page is to tell you about my product. It's to help you make an informed decision, but it's not for me to prove whether or not you need it. You know, I'll, I'm happy to like be excited about it, right? And share that excitement on the sales page, help you understand, you know, what are some things you can do after you've gone through this? Like, what can you expect? How is this potentially going to change your life? Which is all kind of salesy in and of itself, but I'm not approaching it from that angle of like, I need to prove myself. I'm just like, here, here's information I would want to have. If I were looking at buying this, I want you to have it as well. And it was just really letting that go. And my, my undefined will, it's been really interesting watching it come up in my life because there are so many times where I've, I've see that. And it's like still, even with my in-laws, they keep coming back up. I still feel the need to prove myself. And my husband, because I was kind of, you know, stressing about it because I'm, I am so different. Like my husband and I were almost like the black sheep of the family. And as someone who married into that family, I'm like, dang, I'm so different. And that then I start feeling bad about myself and who I am. And as a self-projected projector, that's all I have. That is all I have is who I am. I have nothing else. So it's very damaging to me when I start being like, who I am is wrong. I have to change who I am. And he looked at me and he goes, I married you. I love you. I don't care what my family thinks. And I was like, you're right. You're right. 
Yes, yes. And so that, you know, just understanding that undefined will and how it works, that's been a multi-layered journey too. Um, Because at the beginning, I was like, oh, I need to stop proving myself. And it was actually with my husband. He has never, ever been like, I need you to prove yourself to me. You have to prove yourself. He doesn't even have a defined will. But I felt like I needed to prove my worth to him, probably just good old-fashioned family conditioning coming in there. But then I was like, you know what? I don't need to prove myself to you. And he's like, no, you don't. You should never have been doing that in the first place. And so, you know, moving from that undefined will into business, it was like, oh, I don't have to prove myself to other people either. And then finally having that big realization of I am a self-projected projector. This is who I am. And there is absolutely zero need to prove myself or defend myself. Like you can come at me. I've had people in the human design area, like be like, well, you're not doing it right. Like, I'm sorry. How are you going to tell a self-projected projector they're not being a self-projected projector correctly? Like, I mean, it's fine. You can do it. I don't care to get into an argument about it because I have no energy. I'm just going to do me. And so that understanding that really just kind of set me free to be like, I don't have to prove myself. And I, I love that actually. So when you have... The G center is a self-projected projector. We take every critique as very deep. Like it's everything we do is expression of ourselves. So every critique is a critique on ourselves. And then with this undefined will center, it's like then it's so easy to get into this explanation mode. And explanation is already kind of proving yourself to someone. And so I also have the heart, the will center. Mine is totally undefined. That's my second one. But it's so similar what you talked about. It's the whole Western world runs on the will center and the sacred center. And it's like you're not even there. It's like, okay, I'm fine with not doing anything. <laughs> and it's already like you have a war flag against them. (laughs) Everything you do doesn't matter to me. (laughs) And I had to smile because that's the third time someone said, oh, I was the black sheep of my family. (laughs) And as, as a defined G, you can't do any other way. There's no other possibility to, to bend yourself to their needs. It's just like killing yourself and that's impossible. What results have shown in your life and business after you have implemented it? I think it really, that's a good question. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Take your time. There really just was a sense of flow. And I, so the way that I do things in my business is I like, I like creating Um, and I like creating courses. I like creating the podcast and that's kind of what I've been doing recently. And I've, I, I go along and I go along and I go along and I create and create and create. And then I stop because I don't, I don't have the energy or things have shifted and it's not the right time. But 
you know, knowing what I know now about my energy, I can, I can be in that kind of that in between space and just be okay with it. Like I was there for two weeks. It's like, I'm just now coming out of that directionless space where it's like, I don't really have the energy to create. I don't necessarily want to create. I am here. I am present. I'm just existing. And because I was in that space and I wasn't trying to fill it with busy work like I would have earlier, I was able to, you know, allow, really allow a new direction to come to me. It's not like I thought my way there. I was just like poking through, um, my like business, old business task. It's like, well, you know, is there something here that I want to do? You're like, just kind of seeing, does this feel right for my energy? Does that feel right for my energy? But not anticipating or expecting myself to do anything. And then I found, I found a new direction and it's like, oh, that's exciting. That feels good. And so I'm, I'm moving in that direction now, but it's so interesting noticing those stops and starts and understanding that it's, I'm not going to work continuously. I'm not going to create continuously and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with those downtimes. Those downtimes are good for rest. They're good for just being present because had I not given myself that downtime in that space, I would have filled it with all this busy work and I probably would not be moving in the direction that I am now. Like you said, the, on the pre-talk inconsistently at best. And we kind of have to hit home when we put something out because it's so enhanced through the projector field. If I recently met the generator, which I'm going to interview on the, this week as well, and it's so, she's so fascinating, so fast. And I have never studied generators, but at the same time, I'm thinking like, okay, for me, one would have been enough. And she just does five, but very useful, very in tune. I never made a generator that is in tune with herself and enjoying the work she does, but it's so interesting how much speed they can generate and it looks like the outside oh they get a hell of a lot of done and then i mean i'm a five one so i'm kind of seeing the effective way and then so like okay interesting like this difference and it's right for her and right for me and then there is this this little nudge of the not self of the will center like oh but you could do more too like her <laughs> it's, so, it's so in the energy field of the society and what was also interesting you talked about you do not have to prove anything and that's that was something that left me wondering there is so little trainings you sell in the group it's just like now i understand you are with you are with the first line of culture you are you do not need kind of the group the group is directed through other people that enjoy it and it's like you don't need to prove and when you 
I lined, uh, that was the question I wanted to ask earlier. Were you surprised that your podcast grew so fast and so huge? I, I was, and I still am. I've been, I've been recording my podcast for about five years now and I'm, this year we should hit 500,000 downloads, which I've just like, what? Because I'm, I'm me, right? I'm my self-projected self. I'm like, but I'm me. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm doing anything spectacular. I'm, I'm just me living my life and sharing it. Um, so I was really surprised when things started taking off. But I, sometimes I, I wonder about how the universe has things play out because I like to award myself points for sheer dumb luck. Because when I first started my podcast, there weren't any human design podcast at all. Because I looked, I looked, I searched Apple Podcasts for human design podcast. I think I found one. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. This sounds fun. It's, you know, it's going to give me that self-expression. And so I was able to get in before everybody else. Cause it's like, everybody has a podcast now, which I love, you know, me being my collective self. It's like, yes, get those experiences out there. Let's share, let's connect, let's learn from each other. But I, I was able to do that in the beginning. And so things have just really worked in my favor and that my podcast is so established now. And then I did have kind of a copywriting background so I could get into that technical SEO stuff so that when people search for projectors, my podcast comes up. So it is like my sheer dumb luck plus my slight technical training plus I just managed to do it at the right time. It was very serendipitous. And like the chi authority works. <laughs> It's so yes. fitting. How do you use it during the day or when you need to answer a question? Your authority. That's that's a good question. So <laughs> what came to mind was eating lunch, uh, which sounds really funny, but I I use my authority when I eat lunch. I can tell what is correct for me and what isn't. And like I'll do that at restaurants too. And if I don't choose what I like feel like I connect with, I regret it. Because um, sometimes I won't. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be reading the menu and it's like, oh, that sounds good, but I don't pick it. And it's like, ah, oh, I should have picked it. Um, so I do that. And then like, I, I love playing video games. I'm a huge video game player. And that's one of the ways that I just kind of rest and chill and have fun occasionally, you know, during my day. And I use my authority to help me figure out which video game I'm playing, which it's, it's so trivial, but that's how I feel it. It's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's go do that one. And, um, so there's that. And then as far as answering questions, honestly, I just turn my brain off and I just talk. I don't often think when I answer questions, it, it really is that spontaneous bubbling up of the self. You just need to know when to stop, which you really have done. <laughs> so, yes. Mm. How do you go about when someone comes to you and wants something from you, like um, a new client? And how do you know this is right, correct for you, entering correctly or not? Typically, it's how I feel in their energy. And I actually haven't had to turn down a client 
the ones that I have not felt aligned with did not move forward. So it was, it's been actually really nice because I don't want to have to be like, I'm so sorry, I can't work with you. And I don't know if my energy helps take care of it, their energy helps take care of it, but I have not moved forward with anyone who has not felt correct. And it's been really nice. And it's, yeah, it's just that my energy doesn't work and we don't move forward. <laughs> like always, when you really understand it, it's just so easy. <laughs> Is there anything you would like to share with your authority colleagues? Like what? I don't know. <laughs> Just be yourself. You right. can't do anything else. <laughs> That's the thing. And I say that a lot. I'm like, just be yourself, which sounds so cliche. It sounds like a Disney movie. Um, but that not only just be yourself, but love yourself. That is so important. What I love what you talk about when you talk about acceptance. That is so important. We need to be ourselves, but we also need to accept ourselves and be like, you know what? We're pretty cool because we are. And I think it's important for us to tell ourselves that. There are some days where I'm having a hard day and I'm like, you know what, Ardelia? It's going to be okay. And like, I'd say that to myself. I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's okay, kiddo. You're going to be all right. You got this. I know what you're talking. When I'm in this mood, I do it myself. And I tell it a friend of mine and she said, do you really do that? Talk to yourself so kind like that. <laughs> so interesting that this is the authority too. Yeah, be kind to yourself, yes. so often in these projector groups that I read, oh, I do not want to be a projector, but it's, it's, it takes a while. It's like with sensitivity and empathy, all our gifts have been made small, put down, wasn't correct. And then we get into this victim mentality. And if you are fortunate, we get into the the aggressive kind of <laughs> part where we want to, to scream to everybody. And at some point we see the gift in it. It's just, if we surf that wave, it's a life many will envy us. It's just so easy. I, I heard recently, we do not create through doing like the generating word, we create through our energy. And I always said, I'm like a magician. That's what I always wanted to be a sorcerer. And that's what we are. We can work with the sacred energy of Mother Earth. We can take it and create our life with it. That's what magic is. You know? Yes, yes. And to kind of dovetail off of that too, there, the projector, one of the projector gifts is to be fully present. And to, you know, when we are calm, when we are still, 
we are fully present and then we see things that other people miss. And I didn't fully understand that until I did an escape room. Um, have you done one of those? No, but I know the games where you need to figure out how to get yes. out and puzzles. Yeah, so I was again with my in-laws <laughs> and other people. So it was like me and oh, 10, 12 other people. It was overwhelming energy. Oh my gosh. And there, because there were so many people there, just like, you know, oh, let's go here, let's go there, let's go there. I just stood and I observed. I just, I literally just stood and I observed and I noticed one of the patterns and that did not come up until the very, very end. But I had the insight everybody needed to move forward. And I offered that at the correct time. But other than that, so I, you know, I was observing. So I had a few different things to offer when it was the right time. Other than that, I let everybody else go forth and do all the things. I just stood and I was present and I observed. And I was like, oh, so this is what it's really like. And that was really cool just to have those things to offer when they needed it. Oh, so nice. That's because our sacred is undefined or open. Our natural state is calmness. So a, a generator can never be truly still. Do you want to give people something or tell the, the offering you have or what do you work at the moment? Just listen to your podcast. <laughs> yeah. So listening to the podcast is probably a great place to start. All the content there is free. I think we're up to like 180 plus episodes now. So there is a lot to go just listen to whenever you want. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so, you're so down to earth still. After it, you have quite some success in the outside. <laughs> and it's, I do appreciate it with the kids you have. It is a great, how do you say it in English? Idol? Idol. To many mothers, I guess, like with children, husband, and you still do it. It's not hard for you. It's just natural for you. I do outsource, though. I have my kids clean. They're at the age. I'm like, you're part of a family. You've got to clean kiddos. I can't do this on my own. Is there anything else? It feels very closed. It does. Yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you for being on the show, Adelia. It feels very calm and the underline I have for me is just be yourself, self-project proje projectors. It's easy like that. Yeah, yeah, it is. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, one thing. We interact. Adelia is going to interview me as well. And so we will share post podcasts. Is it all right with you to share this one on that projector life as well? Oh, you mean like in the group? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. People, you already know where to go along. And when you are there, it's perfect. Thank you for being on the show. Bye. Some info at the end. I have pre-recorded a lot of audios. 
But then my laptop decided to go on a holiday in the repair shop. I only have the written texts available. You can find them on my website. And I also have launched my first training about the not-self, how to get out of the not-self and stay there. Practical, easy tips for every open center and also an explanation about the motivation and how it is helpful to say no easily. You know when someone comes into your field and it isn't right for you. So when it's the transference, if you know what I'm speaking about, it's for beginners. So don't worry, just basic knowledge is needed. That's everything. Thank you for listening to the show. It was very nice having Adelia Lee here. Take care. Bye.